All right, good to see everybody in the house of the Lord today. How many of you excited to be in church? Amen. And we, we changed the seating a little bit to get some more folks in here as, as more and more are coming out. And, uh, and I get my ushers, if they could do one thing for me again, just go out in the parking lot. We've got some folks out there that are listening by radio. Make sure we're coming through. If, it, if we're not, come, I don't know, interrupt me. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to figure that out. But I, I tested everything this morning. I think we're all good. And, uh, and so anyway, glad you're here with us today. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to bless our service. Father, what a, what a privilege it is. Again, Lord, we take for granted the, the ability to, the health to come to church. We th- want to praise you for our health. We want to, we want to thank you for this building that we have to assemble in and to, to worship and praise you in and uh, to learn more about you, to open up the word of God and uh, share it together. And I just pray today, Lord, that you just bless every aspect of our service. I pray, Lord, for the singing that Jesus will be glorified and magnified through that. Lord, I pray for a little later as we open up the, the precious bread of life, Lord, that your, uh, your word would penetrate trade hearts, Lord, and, and today as we do a little checkup, Lord, we would find out where maybe a little spiritual checkup on uh, some areas that in our lives, Lord, if there's something in that checkup that has a, a warning sign, Lord, I pray we get that straight, and uh, and Lord, I do pray if there would be one, or maybe several here today who's never had a, a day where they realized they were a sinner and turned and put their trust in you, that today would be that day before it's eternally too late. I pray now that you'd bless our service. I pray that Jesus would be glorified and magnified. And all God's people said, Amen. All right. All righty. If everyone would go ahead and please stand as we jump into the worship part of the service. Starting with He is exalted, and that's what we want to do. We want to exalt the name of Christ. So please join us. We sing, He is exalted. Exalted, the King is exalted on high. I will praise Him. He is exalted forever, exalted, and I will praise His name. Exalted on high. 
because of the wondrous act of love that Christ showed on the cross. We have forgiveness of sins already committed. We have victory over all of our sins today and a hope for the future. We have so much to be thankful for, but the one whom we must be most grateful and thankful for is Jesus Christ. Let's give thanks. Just take a second, look around you, wave at somebody that you haven't seen in a while. Good to see some faces I haven't seen in a while, and and excited to see you here as Brother Tony heads up to sing the special this morning. I uh, uh, just want to, again, welcome everybody to church. If you're a guest with us today, thank you for being with us. Our, our ushers work hard to give out uh, guest cards when you come in. It's even harder now. You're coming in and mask. We don't even know who you are. Amen. And so uh, uh, well, you're safe to go rob a bank. We have no idea whether you're here or not when you come in with that mask and uh, and uh, so that, that that gives Brother Perry an out. What it does, y'all know what he you know what he does. He asks every week if he if he's not sure. His job is to ask, uh, "Have you been here before?" And so many times, that's embarrassing if you ask somebody that's been here a couple times and they have been here. He's got an out for a long time because you're wearing a mask. He don't know who you are anyway. So give him a break. Uh, he's just doing his job. And so, uh, but I'm glad to see all of you today. Well, Brother Tony's going to sing our, our, our special this morning. Good to have him here today. Looking forward to this. All right.
I just taught him that one this morning, and he's such a such a quick learner. Amen. Oh, wasn't that good? Amen. Isn't it good to know that? Listen, Jesus would do it all again for us. He loved you and me that much. Think about that just for a moment. Not only how much he loved us to do it the first time, but he would do it all again. Every single soul's precious to him. Let's just take a moment uh, before we go on with our service today. Just have a moment of prayer. Uh, no doubt, everyone in here knows someone who needs to know Jesus. There's no doubt there's, everyone in here has someone who, who uh, has never trusted the Lord, that you're concerned about their soul, you're concerned about their eternity. And let's just take a moment while you're in your seats and let's lift up a couple names that are on your heart and specifically for their salvation.
Father, today you've, you've heard the name of maybe multiple names from each of your dear people today, that folks that are they're concerned with their souls, and Lord, that took, enough, took a little moment just to lift their names up to you. And Lord, we pray that uh, you'd give opportunities either to these folks or to other folks to put them in the path of that name that was mentioned. Lord, that would take the boldness then to share Jesus with them and present the gospel, how that we have a, a Savior that loved us so much that he, He's willing to die on Calvary's cross for us and was buried and rose again on the third day, and how if they would turn and put their trust in Him, they could be saved, could be saved today even. And, and Lord, I just want to lift up and echo every single name, Lord, and uh, that was mentioned here. I pray, Lord, that you put, I know they have their own choice to make, but Lord, I pray you'd put those opportunities in their path. And, and uh, Lord, we, we're trusting and believing you will, and we, we pray that, Lord, they would respond. And help us to be busy during these times. Lord, we see a country it's, uh, that's in disarray. It's just as simply this. It, we, we can get into all the politics, but at the end of the day, it is a country that needs Jesus. It is individuals that need Jesus. And, Lord, if we just be busy about the, the task you gave us on winning souls and seeing folks come to the Lord, everything else would take care of itself. And we get so, so focused on everything else and forget the main job we have, and that's to tell people the good news of the fact that there's a Savior who loves them, who came to seek and to save that which is lost, who willingly died on Calvary's cross to save them from their sins, to pay their sin penalty. And Lord, rose again victorious. If they put their trust in him, they could be saved, Lord, and changed eternally. Help us be about the Father's business, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Was, uh, I'm listening to a sermon this week, and uh, the preacher spoke on how it's great to memorize Scripture, and it's wonderful to read it, and we should indeed do both, but we really do need to be praying that God would open up His Word to us. The Bible's a spiritual book, and if the Holy Spirit isn't showing things uh, to us from it, then all, it, all we are doing is memorizing. Uh, all we're doing is, is reading. And that's the whole point of this song, is to speak, O oh Lord, asking God to show us through His Word something uh, to change our lives. So please stand as we sing, Speak, O oh Lord.
is sometimes I get lost in my own singing. And that's scary when you hear the way I sing. Then sometimes I just get to thinking about what I'm getting ready to preach. And uh, and I forget, hey, I got a job to do here. And I start keep clicking and so forth. But take your Bibles this morning and turn to Acts chapter number 24. Acts chapter number 24. That's where we'll be uh, this morning. And uh pray you've had a great week and uh, looking forward to uh, to today and uh, something the Lord put on my heart. Uh, about a year ago, I don't know how long ago, to be honest with you, I did a study on uh, in, on our midweek service and we, we took a look at the what the Bible says about the conscience. And, uh, and I don't have time to go through that whole study by any means, but we're going to give you some snippets that come, uh, that, that the Bible talks about today. And, cause I think it's time, uh, you know, we've been, we've been kind of just disarray this year. How many of you say 2020 has just been here disarray? We can all agree with that, right? And, and it's time, you know, maybe for, uh, I'm thinking about as auto centers, some that had closed or starting to open back up. And, you know, it's time for many people to get their cars checked up, right? Your oil hasn't been changed. Your tires maybe need new tires and all that for a while. And, and, uh, many of you that haven't gone to your doctor in a while. And, uh, it's probably time for a little health checkup, right? Checkups are good things. Well, today I want to do a spiritual checkup, if you would, and and uh, we're going to find that in the Word of God, and I want to talk about this and preach on simply what I call this, a, a conscience checkup, a conscience checkup, and uh, Acts chapter 24, and let me give you the context quickly, and we'll, we'll read the main verse that I want to get kicked off with here in just a moment, but what's going on here, the Jewish leaders are, are making really a formal accusation against the Apostle Paul, and uh, and and, uh, and they've gone to Felix, the governor at this point. In fact, Ananias, who's the, the Jewish high priest, uh, is at the time he, he hired a guy by the name, of, I can't ever say his name, but Tertullus, and he was an orator, he was a lawyer, and the idea was he, he was hired to accuse Paul, and in our text he accuses him of being a pestilent fellow. Uh, y'all say that. That's a good. Go, go call somebody a pestilent. You're a pestilent fellow. <laughs> we don't use those words. You know what he's saying? You're a troublemaker. 
That's what he's saying. They're accusing Paul of being a troublemaker. You've been accused of that. Uh, you live for Christ long enough, you're going to be accused of that in the time we're living in. And as as we read Acts 24, you you almost get a sense of there's some animosity, I guess, uh, from the high priest to, uh, to, and those who who disagree with the, the Apostle Paul. And it's all because mainly of this. Here's all Paul was simply doing. He was preaching the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they didn't like the gospel being preached. The gospel is still offensive today to the lost world. It was offensive then. He's basically on trial for being a godly man and, and for doing what God had called him to do and to preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so all the accusations are made. And then, then Paul says here in our, our, our main verse to get us kicked off today, makes a statement in Acts chapter 24, verse 16. A statement that I'm telling you what is powerful. A statement that, that listen, I pray that one day, I don't think I'm arrived at this point yet spiritually, but I pray one day a statement that I'll be able to make. A statement that I, I pray that you'll be able to make one day. And it's possible because we see a man who was a real man who, who had real problems, had real struggles being able to make this statement. And he stands up, he defends himself, and here's his whole defense. In one verse, let's read it together. Acts chapter 24 and verse 16, the Bible says there, And herein do I exercise myself, Paul writes, to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void Defense toward God and toward man. The best defense Paul had uh, against all the accusations that were being made uh, of him from this lost world was simply this I got a clear conscience. And I got a clear conscience before God. And I got a clear conscience before man. And can I tell you why that's, this took place way back, understanding in the first century and all that? Uh, we're living in a day, listen, it's coming real soon. It's already starting to get here where they're going to look at us as the pestilent fellows, as the troublemakers, because we simply do what Paul did. We're, we're sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and listen, I pray when those accusations come, and even if they don't come, even if we've fallen off somewhere else, I pray that we can get to the place in our life where we can say, I have a clear conscience before before God and before man. Let me ask you this question. Can you say that this morning? Hmm. That's a probing one, isn't it? We're going to shout from the mountain tops today. Uh, it's a tough, tough question. Can you say that this morning? With God's help, we can all get to the place where we can say that. Read it one more time with me. Acts 24, verse 6. And here and I, do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. So to figure this out, let's do a conscious checkup today. That's what I'm calling this message, a conscience checkup. Well, the first thing we need to understand is what in the world is a conscience in the first place? Look with me as we look at the, the conscience defined. It, this is one of those words I tell you, you could, you could read about... Fifty different writers are all going to say the something a little different, and and we got ideas about what it is. But let me just tell you right off the bat, the biggest mistakes that Christians often make is equating their conscience with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and the, your conscience are two different things. Now, the Holy Spirit uses your conscience if it's clean, <laughs> but we're going to learn more about that 
understand right off the bat, they're not the same thing. And so we have people going around today saying, listen, uh, just follow your conscience. Let your conscience be your what? Now we're going to find out that may or may not be good advice. So what is a conscience then? If we're talking about, let's look at what is it? Let's, let's go to Webster. He's a good spot to always start and see how he defines the word conscience. He said it this way. He said, it's the inner sense of what is right or wrong in one's conducts or motives, impelling one toward right action. The Greek word used here to, uh, for the word conscience come, literally means this, to know together. In other words, the conscience is it's really a gift of God to all men that, that God wants to in, use to influence us to do right. Proverbs 20, verse 27 says this, The spirit of a man is the, is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. And, and so the conscience gives mankind the, the power of moral judgment. This is important. The power of moral judgment. So how can two people that have been given a gift of a conscience, the power of moral judgment, end up having two completely different views? Now listen, those folks that are looting and doing whatever mess they're doing, they're following their conscience. they got strong convictions about what they're doing. And you and I that say, listen, that's, that's a bunch of out of hell. <laughs> Can I get an amen there? Honk your horn or something. <laughs> We're following our conscience. Well, how come the conscience are leading people different ways? Because what matters is what shapes your conscience. And we'll get to that in just a moment. So the conscience defined. Someone else said this. I like this. Your conscience is the window that lets the light in. The window that lets the light in. My clicker's already quit working. How's that happen? <laughs> the window that lets the light in. And so here's the idea with the conscience. It's simply this. It, it's Our conscience is not infallible. It's not the Holy Spirit. He's infallible, amen, incapable of error. But, but it is the source of revelation in our life about what we think is right or wrong. And so it's, it, it, its role is to teach us our, our moral and our ethical ideas on what we think, again, what's right or wrong, and to hold us accountable to our own standards of what we believe to be right or wrong. That's the problem with the conscience at times, because listen, it can be, as we'll see in a minute, it can be a good one that it's shaped on the Word of God and, and one which we should follow, but it can also be shaped by something else. If our view of right and wrong is actually wrong, and we're following our conscience, guess what we're going to do? We're going to do what? Wrong. Pretty simple, right? And so, so this is why this is such an important thing to take about and talk about a, having a conscience checkup. The conscience, listen, uh, of someone that's taught the Bible and the Word of God is, it, it, it'll lead you down the right road. But the conscience of someone that say that's taught Islam, guess what their conscience is going to teach them if they're a strict follower of the Quran? That you and I ought to be killed. Right? But they're working under their conscience. You see the difference? And so make sure we just understand the, the idea. So, so listen, the conscience of someone that's taught that, that cursing and getting drunk and, and living it up a wicked life and sleeping around is okay. Guess what? To them, it's okay. But the ones that have been taught for the Word of God will say, no, it's not okay. And so, so our conscience can't ever really be our complete guide. What's got to guide us is the thing that's working. Our conscience. And so here's the, here, I think you got the idea. We'll go on here. Here's the key though. Everything in this world, mark it down, 
Everything in this world is competing to influence your conscience. If your conscience is what you make your decisions of right or wrong, if your conscience is, is your moral guidelines of where your line is that you won't cross and the things you won't do and the things you think are right that you do do, then, then here's the deal. Everything in this world is competing to influence your conscience because if they can teach you it's all right, guess what? You'll think it's all right and you'll do it. But if they can teach you it's not all right, then you won't do it. And so everything, including the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's job, He is trying to influence your conscience. Listen, Satan and your flesh in this world, they're trying to influence your conscience. Everything in this world is competing for your conscience. Listen to what the Bible says about God's, God's trying to influence. He says in Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing of soul and spirit. And is the joint, and the, of the joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Holy Spirit's competing with it, but so is the devil, and so is the flesh, and everything's competing to influence your conscience. So here's the ultimate way you get victory. Listen to me carefully. I know this isn't one of them swinging from chandelier ones, but I'm telling you, you'll get some help if you pay attention to this one because it's, it's straight from the Word of God. Listen, here, here, here's the ultimate thing. It's not so much do you follow your conscience. That's what the world teaches. That's really not as, as important. That's important, but it, it's not as important. Here's what ultimately it's important. It is who or what is influencing your conscience. Does that make sense? So if your conscience is being influenced by the, by the Holy Spirit of God, listen, the difference between the victorious man, the spiritual man, and the, the, the defeated man is simply this. Who is controlling their conscience? Is it the Holy Spirit of God because the, the person's in the Word of God and, and walking in the Spirit of God? Or is it the world? The victorious one. Is allowing the Holy Spirit influence it. The ones living defeated is allowing the world, the world system, to influence their conscience. Listen, both of them are following your conscience. Does that make sense? So really, the question is which one's influences. So we see here the the conscience defined. But let's get to the Bible real quick because I want you to see this: the conscience delineated. It's hot in here. Anybody else hot? <laughs> You know the good part about not wearing that lapel mic anymore <laughs> is I can take my coat off now. <laughs> I couldn't do that before, but all my stuff was hooked up. <clears throat> the conscious delineated. What's the Bible speak about conscious? Let's, let's look quickly with me. We'll have a quick Sunday school and we'll get some help here in just a little bit. First of all, it speaks about a good conscience. Look over at Acts 23 and verse 1 with me real quick. Flip over to Acts chapter 23 and verse 1. In fact, the Bible speaks of four different consciences in the Bible. And I really think there's stages that we can go down as we go down this path of, of maybe making some mistakes. And Someone once said a good conscience is like a soft pillow. How many of you know, listen, when that conscience is clean, isn't it nice? You can lay your head down at night, your mind's not spinning, you're not worried about everything under the sun, you're, you're, not, you're not under conviction from the Holy Spirit of God. You can just lay your head down and say, I am clean, I am clean, I am clean, and rest peacefully. How many of you like those nights? How many of you say, I got that night every night? Making sure we ain't getting no liars in here, amen. <laughs> but isn't it nice when we do? 
Isn't it a wonderful thing when we're there? Ben Franklin said this, a good conscience is a continual Christmas. I thought that was a pretty good quote. Paul, listen, Paul was not perfect. Y'all understand that? He, he, was, he was a man just like we were. He was a man who had to be saved just like we did. And, 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 but Paul was a man that after his conversion, he did not allow sin to linger in his life. Look with me at Acts 23 and verse 1. Here's what Paul says, and Paul earnestly beholding the council, another, earlier when he was on trial before he got to this trial, and here's what he said men and brother i have lived in all look at the next two words good conscience before god until this day he had lived he had a good conscience the bible says and listen when you have a good conscience here's what will happen it's not that you'll never mess up but it is here's what will happen when you do mess up not if but when you do mess up you'll get clean before god quickly someone with a good conscience will immediately confess that sin to the lord and to the person if they there's a person they sinned against and so paul kept his conscience clean he kept his conscience uh, conscience pure that's why he could say i have a good conscience that's why he could say Listen, I have a clear conscience before God and before man. He just simply put it this way. He kept short accounts with God. Isn't that a good thing to do in your life? I tell you, I say this all the time, but I like to keep short accounts with God. I never know when I'm going to need him next. I know we need him every moment of every day, but you know what I'm talking about. You never know when that next moment, boy, when you're going to need wisdom from the Holy Spirit of God. When I'm going to need discernment from the Holy Spirit of God. When I'm going to need, oh my goodness, the call that I get next or whatever. Lord, I need wisdom now. I don't always, y'all, I don't always have the answers. Y'all always have the answers to everything. But I serve a God who does. And when I'm walking with Him, can I tell you? When I, when I, when I'm clean before Him, when my conscience is pure and, and good, then, then He can talk to me. He can, He can, He, he can work with me. He can lead and guide and influence my conscience to make the correct decision that's when you have a good conscience paul kept his clean listen when he messed up he fessed up he got it clean and, and he, he even taught the importance of this he wrote in second timothy 1 3 he said i thank god whom i serve for my forefathers with a pure conscience that without ceasing i made remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day he also instructed his protege timothy to to keep that as a priority in first timothy 1 verse 18 he says he says this i charge uh, this charge i committed to thee son timothy according to the prophecies which went before on thee that thou by by them mightest war a good warfare holding faith and a good conscience he said, Timothy, listen, everything else is important, but the most important thing for you is to make sure you hold a good conscience. So Paul understood this, no doubt, because you remember who he was before he got converted. <laughs> he was the one killing Christian. He was the one that was uh, being pure. He was Saul who persecuted the church. And, and listen, he went from all that wickedness and evilness. And once he got converted, he understood the truth. And I tell you what, he didn't want to go back there. He wanted to maintain a good conscience. And so he went around preaching to his preacher boys, keep a good conscience. Hey, I can say I got a good conscience before God. And because here's the importance of it. Listen to me carefully. Now, a good conscience, a pure conscience, it not only is good spiritually, but it'll help you physically. You'll catch that? I want to tell you there's a lot of health problems. Because people are all bound up, stressed out. Many times because they've never gotten a clear conscience before God or man. And we don't have to live like that. Isn't that good news to know? We don't have to live like that. We have a good conscience. We see that. Listen, when Paul messed up again, he fessed up. But the Bible talks about another conscience. Go with me quick. Uh, talks about this one, a defiled conscience. 
a defiled conscience. And, and I want to tell you, this is a, this is a stairway down. Hey, I like to usually talk about stairways up. Amen. Let's build up. Let's build up. But unfortunately, the Bible here is talking about stairways of going down and down and down. That's what it's talking about. Hey, how do I get a good conscience? Well, I tell you what, the day you got saved, the day you admitted to confess to God and agreed with God that you were a sinner and put your trust in the fact that Jesus died for you and rose again from the dead, the day you got born again by the grace of God, can I tell you, at that moment, right then, you had a perfect good conscience. Did y'all know that? And we can stay there when we fess up, when we mess up. But let me tell you what starts to happen. In our lives, we start to allow a little bit of mess to come in our lives. Things that we once would have never thought about, we start to allow. And the Bible talks about this conscience, calls it a defiled conscience. Titus chapter 1, verse 15. Let me read to you there. If you're there, you can read along with me. The Bible says, Unto the pure, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled, and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and, what's that next word? Conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. That word defiled really means made dirty. Listen, when our, when our conscience is, it, 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 we told you earlier, one of the, one of the, quotes I like about it. It's the window through which the light comes. And it's a good way to look at it, I think, to put it in sense that makes sense to us. And and listen, our conscience, that window that the Holy Spirit comes through, when it starts to get a little bit dirty, guess what? Not as much light comes through it. Does that make sense? And when we're talking about defiled conscience, I, I, I think we're talking about on the inside here, the hidden, the, the matters of the heart, the thoughts and the intents. It, it's not necessarily the stuff, we're not at the stage where it's all showing up out on the outside for the whole world to see. It's a, it's that stage where, where, uh, where you're, you start to maybe listen to things you shouldn't have listened to, things you would have said no to just a few months ago or a year ago. Hey, you start watch, looking at things that you shouldn't look at, things you would have said no to a, a few months ago or a year ago. You start you start talking and using words you wouldn't have normally said a, a month ago and so forth. You start hiding things from your spouse. You start you start uh, uh, just uh, holding grudges. You start having unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart. Nobody can really see it going on, but it's inside of you, burning you up up inside. Can I get an amen? Somebody's been there, haven't we? Your conscience is starting to get defiled. Hey, let's do a checkup. You need to know when this starts to happen, you're heading down the wrong road. When you get back to having a good conscience. It's time to get it clean because I'm telling you, this is a spiral that can get out of control. All of this right now is on the inside. How many of you, how many of you uh, know your car windows? I, I want to tell you what. I it doesn't matter how much you clean up the outside. Listen, you can go to the service station every time you put gas in your vehicle, clean that window on the outside. You know what starts to happen on the inside of that window? No matter how many times you clean the outside? There's a haze that gets up on there. I used to accuse my wife of smoking in my vehicle. She doesn't, I'm just kidding, she doesn't smoke. <laughs> but you know that haze, it gets up there. And, and you know, here's the thing. You, when it's dark, and you drive, you can't even tell it's there, can you? All of a sudden, the light hits your window. And the outside's clean. I just cleaned it. But I haven't cleaned the inside. That light hits the window, and all of a sudden, I mean, it's so glared up, I can't see anything. Y'all, can I get a witness? Anybody been there? Have you? 
That's, that's the idea. That's the principle I want you to get up. When our hearts get defiled, listen, the whole world outside can't see it. You can look clean, smell clean. Everybody think you got it together. But you know, and God knows when the inside starts to get dirty. And when the light of the leadership and the influence of the Holy Spirit of God can no longer penetrate through the way it used to do, He's losing His influence on you. And the world is gaining their influence on you. If you're with me, say Amen. Uh, I know it's a thinking message, but stay with me this morning. I believe we'll get some help. And listen, think about that every time you see the car. I want you from now on, when the inside's all messed up a little bit, I want you to think about, hey, that could be my heart. God, please, I pray I don't have a defiled heart now. If I do, let me get it clean. Let me, again, fess up, Lord, that I've already messed up. Because I don't want, I want the Holy Spirit to have full influence on me. And it starts happening because you start tolerating stuff you didn't once tolerate. Start to get a little dirty. And the dirtier I get, the less light comes through. Everybody with me? You still with me? And the less light comes through, the less influence the Holy Spirit has on me. The defiled conscience. Look with me quickly. The evil conscience. The Bible talks about another conscience. It talks about the evil conscience. Again, this is, I believe, a stairway heading down to a bad place. You say, what's the difference? Well, Let's read it first in the Word of God, Hebrews chapter 10. It talks about this evil conscience. See, the defiled conscience is the result of, you know, that occasional allowing sin that you would, once wouldn't have allowed in. The evil conscience comes when we start to make a habitual habit of it, a habitual allowance of that sin. Y'all know what I'm talking about. When you mess up a little bit, yeah, that's when it starts to get just a little defiled. But some days you say no, some days you say yes. But listen, when it gets to the place you start saying yes all the time, you've probably made that step from the defiled conscience down to the evil conscience. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 talks about this. It says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for He is faithful. That promise. How many are thankful God's faithful? Amen. Hey, He said, listen, here's the good news. The good news is the verse says we can still get clean. Y'all see that? The good news, hey, we're not done yet. Hey, we've spiraled out of control. I'm telling you what, we went from a good conscience to a defiled one, and now it's so messed up that listen, it's not just hidden on the inside. Everybody else is seeing y'all messed up too. Can I get an amen? It's showing up on the outside. That's where we, that's where you are at this point. And, and it, it went from occasional allowance to now you're just doing it habitually. Now guess what? The conviction of the Holy Spirit that you used to feel when you messed up just a little bit, you don't even feel that much anymore. You can almost live in it now. Very little conviction. You wonder why your window's so doggone dirty, almost no light is getting through. Are you with me still? It's a spiral when we get out of control with it. And we're living in habitual sin. It's no longer just the heart level. It's also an outside level. The great, a great Bible illustration of this is Lot. How many of you know the, the account of Lot? I don't have time to go read through it and all that stuff. I want to tell you what. The Bible tells us he was a believer. The New, Testament, the New Testament commentary says he was a just man and a righteous man. That doesn't mean he was good. That means God that saved him was good. Amen. 
But Lot made a lot of disastrous choices in his life, and, and I believe he, he damaged his conscience, and, and, and he went down this wrong road. Listen to what the Bible says, Second Peter 2 and verse 7, and the Bible says, And he delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation or lifestyles, what that means, of the wicked. He was, he was righteous. He was saved by grace, just like you and I are, amen. But he had gotten to a place where he was so filthy in his life and his manner of living that God had to save him and deliver him from it. It goes on to say in verse 8, For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day from their unlawful deed. Lot's downfall, listen, it followed the same process that yours and mine will follow. You know these things are written in the Bible for our nurture and admonition. We talked about that last week. Listen, all those things, even the bad things. He, here's, the, here's what he did. I'm telling you. First, he had curiosity of the things of the world. Y'all know what he did? The Bible tells us that he pitched his tent toward Sodom. You everybody remember that account? He just pitched it toward, hey, I'm not in it. I'm not in the world. I'm not doing everything the world's in. But I, but I kind of like seeing it, so I'm going I'm I'm to face it and see what all is going on. Starting the defilement stage. Right? Everybody with me? Watch how it happens here. We see it in many lives. His life then spirals out of control. The next time we see him in Scripture, guess where he is now? He's not outside the city pitching his tent towards Sodom. He's inside the city. Not only is he inside the city, now he's a, he's a governor or a ruler. He's, he's got a position, a position of leadership in the community, in the city. In fact, nobody inside the city even knows he used to serve God. Even his own children, they're, 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 that they, they got married and they laughed at him when he went and told them God's going to destroy the city. He lost his complete testimony. How did all this happen? Well, here's a man that had a good conscience, saved by the grace of God. He, he pitched his tent towards Sodom, started allowing a few little things to happen that we would have once said no to. Next thing you know, he's just flat living in it. See the progress? Good conscience. Defiled conscience. Now he's got a complete evil one. No one even knows. His own kids wouldn't believe the warning from him because he lost his testimony. And that actually, it's a chapter closed. The, the last recorder of Light's life. He gets drunk. Ends up having incest with two of his daughters. How did he get there? And the Bible called him righteous, just saved man. Because he didn't do a conscience checkup. He didn't fess up when he messed up. He didn't maintain and develop that good conscience. What he, what he kept doing was simply this. Huh, no big deal. I, I know it's a little defiled, but nobody else can see it. It's just in here. Not a big deal. Right? You don't know it. You think I got it all together. Look, I got this and suit and tie on. I got it all together, right? Inside, there were some problems. Though. And that led him to the next step. He's just flat living in it. Lost his testimony for his own family. What a horrendous thing. Can I encourage you before we go any further? If the Lord's already convicting you about something that you would have said no to a long time ago, that you're just starting to occasionally allow, you've entered the defile stage. Get it clean. 
Don't get to the place where it becomes an evil one. Listen, he can still clean you up, but I'm telling you what, it's getting harder and harder and harder because your window's dirtier and dirtier and dirtier, and that light of the leadership and the influence of the Holy Spirit of God is getting less bright, less bright, having less pull on you than it used to. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Because there's another stage of stage I don't want anybody to get to. And the Bible calls this the seared conscience. The seared conscience. I said evil twice. That third one's write that fourth one. That's a seared conscience. First Timothy. Write this down. Don't go off the screen. I messed that all up. First Timothy chapter four. It's the tight is the verses. First Timothy chapter four, verses one and two. And the Bible here talks about what I think is the final stage. A seared conscience. The final step of that downward spiral. The word seared literally means burnt on the surface. Cauterized, like they do with blood vessels that are that are leaking and they cauterize it and burn it up and harden it, if you will. So it's talking about our heart and our conscience. Here's what it's saying. It's gotten so hard that there is almost zero, if any, conviction anymore. Your window's gotten so dirty. Listen, you might as well throw a blanket over it because no light's getting through. Everybody still with me? Bad place to be. Everybody in 1 Timothy 4, now let's read it. The Bible says here, Paul writing to his protege, Timothy again, he says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the later times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. Remember, they're both trying to influence you. Y'all with me? The Holy Spirit's trying to influence it. The world system, the devil, his, his ungodly spirits are trying to influence it. It's a fight trying to influence your conscience. Both so, they say, apart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrine of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their, here it is, their conscience seared with a hot iron. Burnt on the surface. Color has hardened is what it's talking about. No longer is conviction between right and wrong, uh, listen, even felt anymore. Listen, how many of you play guitar like I do? Never mind. <laughs> I play like Tony does. Y'all just don't ever get to hear it. When I turn the radio on, I play like he does anyway. <laughs> no, what, I, what I've noticed about guitars, when I used to play a little bit anyway, and I guarantee you, you go grab Tony's hand right now. Go grab his left hand. Look at his left fingers. The end of his fingers have calluses on them. I guarantee you they do. Any man picks as much as he does. You know what happened? His fingers have gotten seared. They've gotten hard. And I'm telling you what, when they're soft and you start playing and you haven't played for a long time, it hurts until you get hard again. That's the idea. That's what's happening to our hearts. Listen, as we go down this progress, it's the spiral out of control of, of, listen, not responding to the conviction of the Holy Spirit when we've done wrong and we just start to excuse it and keep it on the inside. We become defiled. Then next thing you know, we're just doing it all the time, living in it. Hey, we become evil. Eventually, we're going to spiral to the place where it gets so seared, so hardened that we can no longer even experience the influence of the Holy Spirit of God anymore. It's a dangerous place to be. You lose your ability to have even logical reasoning. Turn your news on. This explains a lot. Even for Christians out there doing some of this stuff. Understand, we, we, it's easy to pay them. Oh, they're all unsaved. They've got to be. Not necessarily. 
We're talking about a saved person here heading down the road, wrong road, right? You get to the point where, again, the Holy Spirit no longer has influence. Completely seared. Hardened past feelings. How many of you have a, a dog ever put up an electric fence? Anybody ever done that? Hey, hey, Marty and Stephen, I know, got one. I was talking to them about it once. And I put one up one time. A dog I had back home named Scooby. That dog wouldn't stay in for nothing. I put up a big fence, first of all. You know what he would do? I'd never seen this before in my life. He always got out. I'm like, how'd he get out? There's no holes underneath. And that, that dog could literally climb that thing off or pole, climb straight up that fence and jump over. I'm not kidding. He would scale it. I had never seen anything like it. He's part lab, part child. Uh, and, and he, he was a climbing fool, I can tell you. So I tried a little electrical fence and y'all know, y'all know kind of how it works. You put a little shock collar on them. Uh, we'll get letters from Peter now. But anyway, <laughs> you put shock collar on them and, and you take them near the border and you know, you get near that line and I tell you what'll happen is the thing, first of all, gives them a warning. Starts to beat. Beep, 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 beep. That you, you train them. When you hear those beep, hey, you better turn around. You're going the wrong way. Because you're not going to like what's coming next. So you better turn around when you hear the beep. And, of course, when they're first learning, they don't understand that yet. So they got to go too far and hit that line, just like I do all the time with this tape when I get off the TV here. <laughs> and they hit that line, and all of a sudden, the next thing you know, ow! If you got turned up enough. Now, Scooby was a pretty hard-headed dog. And I'm telling you what, he'd walk right through that thing, and, and he you know it hit him because he'd react, but he'd just go right on through. So uh, next thing I knew, I need to turn that thing up a little bit. I said, we'll see how you do next time, big boy. Turn that thing up a little bit. Now I'm telling you what, this is the most hard-headed dog I've ever seen. Because he would get that thing, and I mean, it would hit him, and he would absolutely welt. But there was something on the other side that he wanted so bad, he would continue through it. And you want to know what he learned? He learned what many Christians have learned. He learned what this is teaching us. He learned that, listen, there were, I get here and there's some beeps, and you know what I should do right now? I'm under some conviction. The Holy Spirit's warning me. Hey, my check engine light's on, whatever you want to say. There's some warnings going on. I should turn around and get this fixed right now before it becomes worse. But you know what? I want what's over there so doggone bad that I don't care anymore. I'm willing to go here and go, ah, take the shock. But you know what? I, he learned this. If he would just keep on going, eventually he gets out of range again and no more shock. In fact, he got to the place where I turned that thing all the way up. Now I know Peter is going to get me. But, I mean, you could, this dog would literally get a run and start. He knew where it was coming. He would come and, and I don't know, y'all ever seen dogs that make facial expressions? I mean, he would make a facial expression before he got there. And I think he started howling before he even got to the line. Because he knew it was coming. And wow! <laughs> but you know what? He got over here no more. He's a free man. I can go do whatever I want. That's what happens with Christians. We get to the place where the Holy Spirit's convicting us. We get to the place where he actually starts to actually chasten us. And you know what? If we want what we want so bad over there, He'll actually allow us to go on through that fence and get over here and live however we want to live. Guess what? When you get over here, you've made it to the last days in evil conscience. And there is no more shock. 
There's no more influence from the Holy Spirit of God. A dangerous place to be. Can I give you a real quick Bible example? Because uh, I, I want to make sure we always got Bible. I don't want you to say, hey, he's allegorizing, making his own thing up. Uh, we won't flip there for the sake of time, but you can go read it. First Corinthians chapter 5, go read about a man that did this very thing. There was a young man, and he was, having, he was in an incestuous relationship with his stepmother. Paul's writing on the inspiration of God to correct this. And, 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 and he, 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 I'll read it to you, but he says this, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. And such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, even the Gentiles, unbelievers don't believe this is right, he's saying, that one of you should have his father's wife. That should have been conviction. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Beep, 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 right? Your window's getting dirty. Get it right. God will forgive you. Get it right. But you know what? Listen to what this guy, how he reacted. Paul says, And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he hath done this deed, might be taken away from among you. You didn't care. You didn't heed the warning. You didn't heed the chastening. You just kept on keeping on. Everybody with me so far? Then Paul writes, For verily I say, absent is in the body, but present in the spirit. Have judged already. You've already been judged, man. As though I were present concerning him that has done this deed. Gave him a chance for repentance. Gave him conviction. But he just kept on wanting to do what he wanted to do. He ran right through the fence. And here's what Paul instructed the church. He said, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you gather together again, that's the, that's the, the local assembly there, in my spirit with the power of the, the Lord Jesus Christ, listen to what happened. To deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. That the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. They let him go. Because God will take him out. Can I just put it, that's just a good blank. That's what he's saying. Turn him over to Satan. Let him have his way. God's going to take him out. It's a terrible place to get to. Hey, his spirit's going to be saved. This is a saved man. It's a, it's a book written to, to a church. This is a saved man that went down this process. And God turned him over. He becomes what Paul later called a castaway. In 1 Corinthians 9.27, he said this, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. That's Paul. He's responding when the, the alarm goes off. Listen, when he gets a little defilement, he, he, he gets back in control. He confesses. He fesses up. And when he messes up, he brings it back under control, under subjection. He says, here's why I do it. Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself may be a castaway. And Paul was even saying, listen, it is, it is possible for me to go from a good conscience to a defiled conscience to an evil conscience all the way down here. To a seared conscience. Paul said, I could even do that. The apostle that God used to write, under the inspiration of God, write over half our New Testament, he said, it's possible for me to get to that place even. God forbid that I should be a castaway. That's why I bring my body back under subjection when the Holy Spirit of God tells me I was wrong. He said, preacher, what are you trying to say today? Let me tell you what I'm trying to say today. It's possible for every one of us to get there too. That's why we have to do conscience checkups. Listen, when we let it get a little defiled, we think it's not a big deal. Thank God the blood of Jesus can cleanse us, right? 
Thank God, First John 1, 9 still in there, eh? written to Christians. If we confess our sins, he is, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's how we fess up when we mess up, and that's how we get cleaned up when we've gotten dirty. That's how we get the inside of the window clean again. We, we get the Windex out of the Holy Spirit of God, and we confess it, and we, we clean that thing up, and we allow him to clean it, and there it is again. We can see perfect the light of the Holy Spirit has its influence on us again. But when we say, no, not me, I'm enjoying it too much. In fact, I'm enjoying it so much, I'm not just going to occasionally allow it. I'm going to allow it all the time in my life. I'm going to go ahead and move on down here and live in it, and that defiling becomes evil. And guess what? God's still convicting us, but it's not as strong because the window's dirtier, less light's getting in. And guess what? The, the beep's going off, and even the even the chastisement's happening. We're getting a little pain at this point, but you know what? We want what we want, what we want, what we want. Eventually, we're going to get out here, and we're going to be defiled and seared to the place we're so seared, we're so hardened that there's no influence anymore. So it's important for you and me and every one of us as a saved child of God to constantly be doing, getting too close to everybody, consciously be doing a conscience checkup. Let me ask you, how's your conscience today? How's your conscience today? Is it good and pure and clear? Or if you start to allow a few things into your life that you know are wrong, Nobody else knows about them, but you know they're there. Be careful. It doesn't take long before a defiled conscience goes down the step of becoming an evil conscience. And be careful. It doesn't take long before an evil conscience becomes a seared one. And you no longer have any influence of the Holy Spirit of God in your life. It's too dirty for the light to get through. And you're given over to Satan. Listen. I don't believe anybody here, I pray you're nowhere near that stage. That's why we're doing the checkup now. When the check engine light comes on, hey, get it right. You say, how do I get it right? Well, we'll get back to your text real quick. Let me give you just two thoughts and we'll, we'll get out of here. Here's how we get it right. We, we've seen the def definition of the conscience, the, the delineation of the conscience, but lastly this, the, the development of a good conscience. How, how, do we, how do we develop a good one? Well, well, you go back to your verse and, and Paul tells us back in... I got still got it marked here. I had to move, flip my Bible all over the place. Back in Acts 24 and verse 16, he tells us exactly how to get right. He says, "In here and do I exercise myself?" He said, whoa, whoa, whoa. He said, "Exercise, yeah, exercise. That means work, doesn't it? How many of you like to exercise?" Hey, he's not talking about physically here. He's exercising spiritually. And exercise here, he gives us two things he's going to do. He says, "I exercise myself to always have a conscience void of offense." toward God and towards man. I believe there's two things he, he's exercising quickly. First of all, he exercised some defense. He put some things in his life to, uh, to, to make sure, some fences, some barriers, some protections, if you would, to, to, to make sure he didn't get too far. Uh, listen, he, he worked at it. It's what, it's what exercise is telling us. It's not telling you that, hey, you just show up. I, I don't get, I don't get bigger muscles or, or flat abs just by, just by saying, I think I'm going to go to the gym. I got to show up, right? I gotta eat less. It takes some work. And listen, spiritually, it's gonna take a little work, take a little exercise. And the first thing you gotta do is you gotta put on some defensive habits. He plays both sides of the ball, if you would. In 1 Timothy 4.16, he said, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine and continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt save thyself and them that hear thee. In other words, he said, it's gonna take some personal discipline. I need to take heed. I mean, that means I need to apply. That means I need to live according to the word of God and the doctrine it teaches. It means when he says it's wrong, I need to agree it's wrong defense 
I got to put some barriers up in my. I'm not talking about living legalistic. I'm just talking about you know your troubles. Put some barriers around you. Protect yourself, right? If you're a drunk, then quit going to ABC store. Pretty simple, right? <laughs> put a barrier up. You say I can't help it. I drive by it every day on the way home. We'll drive home a different way. Whatever it is, listen, I'm just telling you, whatever your struggle is, it's going to take you exercising some defense if you want to maintain a good conscience or develop one. But it's also going to take some offense. Offense. It's going to take every day waking up and dying to self. That dog didn't die to self. He wanted what he wanted on the other side of that fence, and he wanted it bad enough. He was willing to take the pain, the correction, the chastisement to get to it. Die to self says, Anything in my life, you know, even if it's kind of okay, if it hinders my walk with Christ, it needs to go. All my ambitions, all my desires, all my lust, all my pride, listen, all that's about self. Paul said, I die daily. Then it takes that a little bit offensive being filled with the Spirit of God. The Bible talks about, listen, and be not drunk with, with wine wearing his excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Hey, I gotta be in tune with the Spirit. I gotta be filled with the Spirit. I, I, just like alcohol will control somebody. Here's what he's saying. I gotta allow the Holy Spirit to control me. And the only way I'm gonna do that is keep my window clean so all the light can shine through. And then, then I need to walk in that Spirit too. I need to walk in that Spirit. The Bible tells us in Galatians 5.16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and thou shalt not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Hey, you wanna make sure you don't hit down down that road of being defiled then always obey always allow the Holy Spirit to lead you walk in the Spirit instead of walking in the flesh and you won't even be able to go down those steps what a promise all that would do it's going to take some exercise a good conscience not developed by just wanting one I'm going to say that about three times y'all need to get that all of us would say if we got any semblance of Christ in us we want a good conscience right Hey, all of us would say we want that. But it's not just doesn't happen by just wanting one. It's going to take, you're going to have to work for one, is what Paul's saying. You've got to exercise and put a little defense up. Hey, play a little offense. It's going to take both. You've got to play both ways. How, how many of you played both ways when you played football? I'm telling you what, that'll wear you out. I'm telling you what, the spiritual what is a battle. It's a war. And you better be on defense and you better be on offense both. If you want to maintain and develop a good conscience. Because I don't know about you, but I want to one day be able to say like Paul did. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense towards God and toward man. Even when I'm falsely accused, I want to say my conscience is clear. It don't matter. And it's not just clear before God. And it's not just clear before man. It's clear before God and man. Father, thank you for the Word of God today. Thank you for the lessons that it teaches us. And Lord, this is a, I guess, a preventive type message. Lord, this isn't geared towards anybody in the room. It's just something we ought to be doing on a regular basis. We ought to be doing a conscience check. Lord, it's so easy for us to allow little things in that, Lord, start to defile us. Start to get the windshield dirty on the inside. That the light no longer comes through like it can. We can't even see out clearly anymore. And Lord, when we don't get that clean pretty quick, Lord, it don't take long till we're living in it on a daily basis. It becomes a habit. And Lord, we take that step down, that next step, down to a 
Lord, a conscience has not just been defiled, but Lord, a conscience that is turning into an evil conscience. And Lord, that's your last warning. Hey, that's when the fence is zapping us, Lord. That's when the correction and the chastisement of the Holy Spirit says, turn back now. And Lord, unfortunately, sometimes some Christians still won't heed. They go to the, all the way to the place of a seared conscience. My prayer, my heart's desire is we'll never get to that place. My prayer, my heart's desire, Lord, is, is we'll never even get to the place where we have an evil conscience. That, Lord, when, when, when we mess up and we defile it just a little bit, that, Lord, we'll allow the Holy Spirit of God to clean the inside of our window by confessing, by allowing you to cleanse us from all unrighteousness once again. Lord, getting that fellowship back and developing once again through an exercise of both defense and offense a good conscience. Bless now the teaching and the preaching of your word to the hearts of your people in Jesus' name. Amen. If everybody would stand, eyes closed and eyes, heads bowed this morning. Let me just simply ask this simple question. No one's looking around. This is not one where we're trying to embarrass anybody, nothing like that. How many would be willing to say this very morning, I'm going to be just blunt as I can be, preacher, right now God has brought something to my attention that, that I have a defiled conscience. How many would just admit that? Many, many hands. Many, many hands. Thank you for your honesty. Can I encourage you today, before it goes to that next step of evil, and, and certainly before it ever gets to the place of ever being seared, Get it clean with God today. This altar is going to be open. I'm going to invite you. We're going to sing, and I don't know what we're singing. It's going to be more. We're going to do more of an invitation today, if you don't mind, brother. And uh, and uh, why don't you just come do some business with God this morning? You can come on, step out right now. Come, come and spread out a little bit. We can do that. I'm telling you what. I don't care what the governor says right now. It's time to get some things clear before God. Amen. And let's get let's get our consciences good and clean and pure once again. Let's do that while we sing this morning. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, I'm going to be right down here. He loves you. He died for you. And He'll give you a good and pure and clear conscience this morning. By faith, you'll come trust Him. You just walk down this aisle. I'll, I'll meet you down here. I'll tell you all about the good news of how He wants to save you today. Whatever you need, you come as we sing this morning. And I encourage you to be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit this morning. This isn't a time to be prideful. It's a time to humble yourself so that He will exalt you. I believe God's speaking to hearts this morning.
Let's get clean. Let's be people with a good conscience. screen, but if everyone would please turn in the hymnal to hymn number 654. Hymn number 654, Change My Heart, O God, comes from Psalm 51, David wrote, Created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. 654. Change my heart, O God, make it ever true. Change my heart, O God, may I be like you. Change my heart, O announcements. Thank you. You are dismissed.